You are listening to the Shit You Can't Make Up podcast, a conversation with friends, hosted by Marisol Sanchez. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> um, hey, yes. guys. I'm really bad at the intro. You want to take over? Do the intro? I know it's my podcast, but go ahead. You have a better podcast. What do you voice. want me to say? You, um, who you are. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Cliff Cash. I'm a stand-up comedian. All right. Let me interrupt. <laughs> okay. I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> so this is Cliff Cash. This is Shit You Can't Make Up, and I am Marisol. And thank you for listening. I uh, went to see you on Friday, so I'm going to tell the audience a little uh, backstory. Okay. I, I love comedians. Um, I love comedy. I'm not a comedian. But I, I'm a connoisseur of comedy. I've seen comedy all over the United States, not, not the world. <laughs> but you are good. Thank you, you so are, much. Like legitimately good, and thank you. Um, I wanted to have you on the show because you're smart. This is what I wrote. Um, what I thought about it. Um, you were intelligent. I was raw. It was vulnerable, and it was relatable, which is like hitting it out of the park for. Wow! A bit. Thank you so much. So, and I would. I don't. I feel really cocky now. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> on a high note. Is there bad stuff coming next? No, no. That's how my life's been lately. Like, oh, this is really good. What? <laughs> Well, you, you now had, I have to get my leg chopped. Oh, damn it! No, you are you're from Wilmington. Most of the listeners. Well, I'm from North Carolina. Okay. I live in I've lived in Wilmington, in or around Wilmington, for about 13 years. Um, you headlined over at Dead Crow this weekend, and you taped a special. Yep, I taped all four shows, and so I wore the same outfit for this is how specials work typically. Uh, not all of them. Sometimes people just tape one show. Because uh, if you're already famous, you pretty much put out whatever you want, and they're go- your fans are going to love it anyway. Um, and if you're at that level, you're probably a crushing comedian anyway. But um, we taped all four because we wanted to have the option of Cut deciding which show was best, and maybe we oh. use a whole show, or maybe we go, hey, you know, that one show was really strong, but there was one bit in this other show that really did well. And, you know, we just want the option to be able to sort of um, pick the hits, kind of cherry pick it and make it as good as it can be because it'll be my first thing uh, that's really out there in a big way hopefully and I need it to be it looked solid I, I went to the Friday 930 it was just solid you looked Thank like you. I thought you I when they because they've had really good talent at sure the they, they bring been, in the best comedians in the country for I, sure it's a great and by the way if uh, Timmy ever listens to this I'm a VIP I'm there every weekend I should get a free drink mm-hmm. okay <laughs> no, just absolutely <laughs> I'll just call in my credit card to get you a drink. And just, even if they don't agree to it, I'll be like, listen, a friend of mine's there. Even the waitress is like, you come here a lot. I'm like, I know. <laughs> can I, can I get a beer? <laughs> Keeping the lights on. And I bring people too. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I've seen, and I've, I've seen a lot of, um, high end, or I don't know, what do you call them? The most really super famous. Yeah. The, up, the upper echelon talent wise, at least yours was tight. It was very, Thank it was you. just, uh, and that was Friday, so I, I'm. I tell you what, the early shows were were better. Really, and not no offense to the crowds because I'm grateful for every crowd, but for whatever reason, I think that the you know there's a long line. The, they were all sold out, so there were no tickets at the door at all. Mm-hmm. So everyone there already had tickets, but had to wait. You know, 130 people each uh, show waiting on the sidewalk to get in to the into room. the club. And so I think that's a that's a little bit of an energy thing for them. Maybe it's like nobody really likes to wait in line, oh, okay. but there's no way around it. I mean, it's no one's fault, but it is what it is. And then I think the staff uh, flips the room really quick, and I think that's kind of stressful. So, um, 
And I don't, I don't, so I don't mean it in a bad way, but comedy is, is literally energy. It's, yeah. it's, it's all about energy. And, and I think those two things affect the energy of the crowd and the staff just a little bit mm-hmm. and probably affects their interaction a little bit with each other energy wise. And it just felt different, both yeah. shows. And it, it's not always that way at every club. Um, and I haven't really noticed it at Dead Crow, uh, I don't think, but I'm also not there much. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just gone all the time. The only difference I, I mean, but I loved all of them, yeah. you know, they but, were, I, you know, I picked up new, from my perspective, the energy yeah. was great. It had that, uh, someone, they didn't propose, but they did some like weird, uh, maybe oh, that was that, the energy. Yeah, maybe that golly. Was. Yeah, it was so funny. It's like my whole, my whole <laughs> hour, <laughs> my whole hour is, uh, about my wife, you know, my divorce, my dad dying and, you know, uh, my marriage basically, basically ending kind of out of the blue. Very, very big surprise to me, unfortunately. Um, not, and not the kind of surprise you want to get. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about heavy stuff and like this guy's like proposed to his wife who he's already married to. He's like, uh, I forgot a couple of our anniversaries and kind of feeling like an asshole. So I'm going to do something sweet. (laughs) Did he get her a ring? I couldn't see that. It looked like he had a ring, which I I mean, if he give her a new ring, that's cool. Kind of checked out the word marriage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're like, this hurts to even think about. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. It's like, here's this comedian who's, uh, you know, I'm filming a special called tough year. Yeah. Part of which is about uh, getting going through a divorce right now. Like, well, I I wanted to break down your set a little bit, sure, because the the, the way I wrote it out um, is how I wanted to talk what yeah. I liked about it. Um, so when I wrote intelligent, uh, you it, you are obviously very smart. It comes across. In uh, my IQ is like one eighty something. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely. <laughs> I'm brilliant. <laughs> kidding i don't know i don't know am i i didn't finish school i don't know how well, smart i don't read tons of books this is what i thought was very smart of you being living here in wilmington north carolina um understanding the dynamics here and being a liberal hearing you do your politics it's probably the best i've seen someone do it to this crowd which was smart was polite you got your point across and no one felt like they were idiots yeah and that i think is such a disservice that comedians yeah are doing right now um, and you that you're like actually the first person I've seen do that that's a big compliment thank you um, and that's, that's I, exactly what I want to do that's that's why the kind of comedy I really am trying to pull off and it's hard you did it very well hold on I have to, I'm like super dehydrated and you can't do it uh, all the time and you can't do it everywhere I mean that some of that material I cannot do at Jim Bob's barbecue and chuckle shack you know i mean it's just it was perfect for because this is how i feel i know the audience here i know the town and i know that the lion's share of those people know my comedy and came to specifically see my comedy there's a few people who stumbled in hoping it was (laughs) i was hoping there were some racist puppets or something and this fellow up here saying smart shit you know (laughs) Uh, there were a few because they they've been on social media talking about it. Oh really? Yeah, there was a Make America Great Again uh, lady who uh, didn't like my comedy. Surprisingly enough, I was like, Was, was she it, at the show? Was it when I called Donald Trump a basic bitch? Is that the <laughs> part where I lost you, Tracy? Sorry. <laughs> I, see, I think there's a population that's just going to be angry, pissed off. Yeah, re- both sides. Regardless, I, I, I very much dislike Donald Trump, but I, but I I tried to take the edges off of it a little bit. You and know? you didn't insult his supporters. I didn't. I thought you did that brilliantly. Which yeah. most of, that's Thanks. when other comedians do that and do the whole you know redneck um, idiot deplorable act. Mm-hmm. It pains me, and I, I I'm a liberal. I, yeah. But my best friends 
probably voted for Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and I know them. Well, as... You can get them books for Christmas then. <laughs> no, no, I mean not I'm all kidding. of them. My I... my my uh, oldest friend is conservative. My mom is very conservative, very religious, and, and you know, um, I think uh, you can't just put people in a box. I mean, people have their yeah. reasons, and I, I I can't think of a single good one to like Donald Trump. But also, I, I don't know if I said it in that show, but I said, you know, the Democratic Party couldn't beat Donald Trump. So there's work to do there, too, the obviously. Demo- you know. The Democratic Party, and I've said this before and I've written about it, is um, horrible at marketing. They are, they, I wrote And they keep whole, moving right, which is not what they need to do. They're, like, they're the trying worst. to appeal because they think that, that the right is growing. And unfortunately, no, you know, some of that is, but. I wrote this whole thing. Here's, like, here's anecdotal. The only people that write me who are upset about what I write aren't Christians, aren't conservatives, are liberals. When I write about Trump and then, turn, like, they feel that... Because I'm like, my point is, the reason he won is because we're dicks. That's in my opinion. We come off as a Condescending. Condescending. I ha- I'm guilty of that in the yeah, past. And, and so have I'm I. trying to not be that way anymore. So have I. It's, it's not going to gain... You know, and then when I look at my friends who did vote for Trump or who have always been a Republican, who are conditioned, who see it as a, a part of their upbringing, culture, whatever sure. reason they Whoever's have. the Republican nominee, that's who I'm voting for. Um, I don't think a lot of them thought he was going to win. And they're dealing with their own, processing their own emotions over all this yeah. shit. <laughs> their so, own shame and guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like the rest of us need to be just constantly berating them. And I don't even want to go on Facebook. It's like some things are funny. And yes, uh, I will laugh and like something. Um, yeah. He offers a lot of opportunities to be made fun of. Sure. But I think we we're just we come off as assholes. When I talk about Donald Trump on stage, to me, um, it's really just a relevant current event type of way for me to segue into material about racism. Mm-hmm. And people go, "Oh, you're a comedian. You must have a lot of material about Trump." And I, I really, I don't. I have a lot of material about racism, and that's pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I. I want to, I want to touch on a bigger issue that's really at the core of the problem, and that guy's just a symptom of the problem. Yeah, and I think um, again, I think the the part I liked the most was how you didn't insult his support. I, mean, I don't specifically. Well, it's where you say that because I meant to. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I must have forgotten to on that show. Well, obviously, you did I, someone. Someone on all the other shows, I said, "Get the hell out of here right now." Fuck I'm kidding. You, get out. No. Um, no, I try to. Uh, I think that. For me, that's the kind of comedy, you know, I watch people like George Carlin and I, how smart he is and, and how poignant the material was. And, uh, and you know, but some of it was pretty ab- abrasive sometimes or whatever. And I like it. I, I wouldn't change a thing about it. But so I want to take that kind of um, intelligent angle, mm-hmm. but take the edges off a little bit. Not because I'm afraid to leave them, to leave them on there but because I want everybody in the crowd to have fun. That's what comedy, they came to have fun. I also think it serves a greater purpose because if you're not offending people, maybe they'll open their... You're, 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 it's like, it's like putting a pill in your dog's uh, dog treat, you know? It's like... I'll follow through. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, that's the metaphor. It's like, hey, there's a thought inside of this thing you're laughing at, and uh, I hope that you don't know until it's too late. Yeah. I hope maybe I made you just question how dumb your racist beliefs are without you knowing it, and maybe that'll resonate. 
uh, as time goes on. But I mean, that's the goal. I mean, I, there's only so much you can do as a comic. I can't. I don't wear a cape. You know, I can't get up there and force people to think the way I think. But um, it's important to me to have a message. With my, I wouldn't do it otherwise. If I, if it was on dick it? jokes and fart jokes, I, I would have quit a weekend. I I, I want to say something. My first bit I ever did at open mic was about abortion and uh, religion and Sarah Palin and uh, uh, some other stuff. So how long have you been doing it? Because that's the... Six and a half years. Because it was really solid. Thank you. I mean, um, very professional. So I was like... I take it really seriously. I, I work on it a lot. I mean, and I just do it all the time. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't been here really almost at all in six months for more than a few days at a time. Um, so... So the other thing I wrote down was raw and vulnerable because you, you you're gonna make me cry because <laughs> um, you also I think and this is one of my favorite the reason I think I love comedy or feel a kinship to it is because I think they process, comedians process their shit using comedy oh absolutely I don't know how not to and I'm you know in my writing even in the podcasting that's sort of um, me processing my shit so. Sure. Um, and there's a degree of vulnerability in that. Yeah. Um, or at least the comedians I like are extremely vulnerable. There's a, there's a big degree of vulnerability in just being on the stage with just a microphone in general. I Even bet. if you're just doing fart jokes, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like you're totally opening yourself up to rejection and constantly. Uh, yeah. Constantly. And it's, and I, I really, really very much dislike rejection and always have, uh, which is why I've, spent my life trying, I think most people do <laughs> which is why I've spent my life trying so hard to be funny because I want people to like me I want I want you know girls to like me and my schoolmates and uh and my dad was really funny when I was a kid and uh, it just made me so happy when he would be silly and I was like I want to be funny like my dad you know and you talked to you talked about your dad he passed yeah away. I lost my dad uh about a year ago a little, little over a year ago now and uh yeah, that that was the hardest thing in my life so far, for sure. Um, and, I mean, you think about it your whole life. Like, man, I'm going to lose my parents one day, and I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go on. Or, you know, you, you just, I don't, I mean, you know you will, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's devastating. I mean, I'm glad I had him until I was 36, you know what I mean? And not, uh, well, I didn't. I guess he died when I was 35. He died a couple weeks before my birthday. But, um well, I mean, let me share a story with you, maybe make you feel a little bit better. You have I this feel great. <laughs> about your father's passing. I couldn't feel better. No, not about the past. Well, no, you were so close to him and admired him and loved him so much that you have these, you know, intense emotions about his passing. Yeah. To counter that, you know, my father died alone. They didn't find his body for almost weeks. Oh, man. There's, you know... Um, I did not have the relationship I had with my father that you had with your father. And that's, so when I listen to you or any of my friends talk about parental, that stage in life, it's always like a a little jealousy, like, oh, I wish, you know. (laughs) Well, it's shitty that you're jealous. Uh, I'm kidding. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I'm not jealous of your parents' death. I'm jealous of the love that created this pain. I'm, I'm, so just give me I hate that way. for you. Like that, I, oh. that makes me sad that I would have let you borrow my dad if he was still around. You can you can hang out with my mom anytime you want to. Uh, my as long as you ex-father-in-law, don't cuss. my ex. Oh, I cuss all the time. My ex. Don't cuss in front of my mom. She'll stab you. 
I'll try not. She texts me. She says, have fun at your show tonight. Just don't cuss. Oh. And I say, mom, how about this? I won't do anything that I think is morally wrong. Good for you. And I, I don't think you did. That's the thing. When you live by your own moral compass, I, I, I literally never do anything that I think is wrong. You know, because I get to decide what I think is wrong. And you know what I mean? I don't have a list for some old guy made the desert 3,000 years ago or whatever. Oh, the moral code. I think it's simple. I think it's easy. And I think we, as human beings, complicate it for some reason. Yeah. I think you're born um, with like an internal alarm that tells you what's right and wrong. In li- yeah, unless you're a psychopath unless or you're, you know, a sociopath or my ex-wife or whatever. Um, I'm okay. kidding. Zing. She won't listen to this. Trent, uh, you know, well, that's the second part you talked about. You had a shitty year. Is that the best way to describe it? Or uh, a couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I guess in the span of, um, I guess in the span of about... 16 or 18 months I lost uh, my business basically kind of forced to close my business I kind of came to financial hurdles that I could not surmount unless I went further into debt and I didn't I didn't see um, the light at the end of that tunnel of so real estate no, I, I, that, this is after I had failed in real estate. <laughs> I'm going to fail at comedy any day now. Uh, you know, it's funny, the things I've failed, well, maybe not real estate, but so, yeah, I lost, I lost my ass quite literally in the um, real estate bubble and crash. Uh, I was doing pretty well at it in my 20s. And kind of like out ahead of the pack of all of my friends. Not that not that money is a competition; it shouldn't be. But you know, my friends were like, "Dude, by the time I pay off my student loans, you'll be retired." As I had a bunch of rental houses and stuff as a young guy, and money was really important to me. You know, I, I never. Hopefully, I wasn't a dick about it. I, I never cared about like having Gucci slippers or anything like that. But I'm a hey, car. Money is a great thing. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I liked to travel. I liked to party. Uh, I liked clothes, and you know. Um, and, and I, growing up, my best friend, uh, family is very, very wealthy mm-hmm. and I, and we were regular people. I mean, we certainly weren't poor. You know, my dad was a pharmacist. Um, that's the we, thing in, in Wilmington, the social economics, it's a wide range. You can, yeah. your children can literally be friends with multimillionaires. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Gastonia, North Carolina, which is, uh, probably the best city in the country uh just a cultural mecca i'm kidding <laughs> we invented the mustache <laughs> we, we invented lowrider pickup trucks i think um but yeah so i think growing up around uh, friends that had a lot more money than me it wasn't an envious thing it was just like man this is cool it's just i want world. a full basketball court in my backyard i think i want a helicopter you know? yeah i think being exposed to people that have had money it makes you as an adult want to you yeah. you see it's available and you you know that happened to me and also i was around um pay them a compliment i was around people that had money namely namely my best friends um families and other friends were like you know mm-hmm. a couple friends were like this guy's dad's a doctor this guy's dad's a lawyer but my best friend's family had like book like crazy money mm-hmm. um and it 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 never gave me a bad taste because they were such good people. Mm-hmm. His dad did a lot of stuff for a lot of people and very kind and very humble and very simple. A lot of rich uh, people are. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. money doesn't make you evil. 
evil uh, people. Greed makes you yes. evil. You know, sometimes you attract a lot of money because you're putting out good things and you're attracting abundance yeah. because you're, you're living abundantly. Um, and you sometimes you have a lot of money because you've been poisoning sea lions for your whole life and that's lucrative, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, there's 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 shitty poor people. Yeah, <laughs> very shitty poor. I, that's so, a misnomer that I think a lot of people like growing up. I'm poor. not mad at wealth. I'm mad at greed, and I'm and I'm real mad at greed. And, mm. and that's uh, there's nothing Christian about greed. There's you know there's nothing patriotic about greed. Um, but yeah, so that kind of planted that in me, and I, and I so I did that real estate hustle, and I was I was really crushing it for a young guy, and I, and part of me would would like to go back to it because I was I was kind of good at it. I was a pretty good carpenter, and um, I'm a really aesthetic person. I like to pick out colors, and uh, my buddy's wife. I remember the first time I'd hung out with these people. The first time his wife had been to my house it was years ago when I had my like kind of big nice house. She walked in and she said, "Cliff, if I didn't know you personally, I would think that a gay man lives here." And I was like, "That is a huge a compliment. Cool. Thank you so much." I wish, I wish I had it. <laughs> but I do. I like to arrange flowers. I like to. I like to landscape. I like. I do bonsais. I. I, uh, I have been an artist in a past life, so I like to. Did you design stuff. your website? Uh, I verbally, I told the guy <laughs> what I want and stuff. I'm not tech savvy at all. It has but, a very, um, the aesthetics of it was surprising to thanks. me. Thanks. Yeah. Um, thank you. That's cool. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> Do what? It's not a compliment. Is that what you're saying? Oh, thanks. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a, it was just a, the aesthetic surprised me, but I could see the gate now that you make that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, we're about to redo it too. Um, I'm, I, you know, because I'm now I'm, I'm bro. I mean, I'm a broke comedian. I was broke because I lost my ass in the real estate crash. That one, that's kind of like not my fault. Everybody mm-hmm. that had real estate lost their ass too. And I'm glad I did that at, in my 20s and not my 70s, you know, where I couldn't couldn't get back to, to uh, the starting point. But um, then I used the last little bit of cash that I had. I held on to my primary residence because I thought, well, the, the market's going to recover and I'm going to flip this thing because I had so much equity in the house. I, I could not bring myself to lose the equity in the house. So I tried to hold on to this expensive house, two, where, two expensive houses where out near figure eight. Okay. Uh, and then I had a vacation rental slash vacation home uh, for myself in Asheville. And so I tried to hold on to these two expensive houses because I liked them, you mm-hmm. know, because I was attached to them really <laughs> is the real answer. But thinking the market's going to recover and I'm going to hit a home run on both these houses and I'm gonna, my net worth's going to be maybe what it was before the crash. And you weren't a comedian at the time, or you were? No, not okay. at all. Okay. I mean, I've been I've been this person my whole life. You know, I've been silly and class clown, and um, I've literally been not fired from jobs because I've had a, I had I've had a boss say, "If you weren't so funny, we would have fired you," because <laughs> everyone really likes you being around, and you know. And I'm like, well, thanks. Um, but no, I'd I'd never done stand up. I'd been a huge fan of it uh, my whole life. And I mean, memorized people's hours, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, okay. So going back, you, you had, yeah. so I lost, I lost everything. I took a little bit of money I had left and I started that recycling business. Okay. I didn't understand what the second business was. Um, the second business was recycling business. Yeah. And I ran that for eight years, uh, here in town, green coast recycling. And it was very, very hard. I'm not a business person. I'm an awful business person. I didn't know that until I found no, out. No. <laughs> I was good with real estate because it was just all me. I didn't have, yeah. you know, I subbed out some stuff, but I didn't have employees. I didn't have hundreds of customers. So at one point, we had about 500 residential customers and about 120 commercial customers. 
and then we grew it into roll off dumpsters and all this stuff and it was just a huge operation with a lot of moving parts and it wasn't lucrative it's like if you drove up and looked at the business you'd be like man these people must be killing it but it just wasn't the margins were too small people you know what we would have had to have charged to make it worth it people wouldn't didn't want to pay for recycling because no one gives a shit to be honest yeah there's so, a rumor that everything goes down the same drain it's not true ah. um it's it may be true in some cities around the country mm-hmm. and, and it may be true with some companies uh but not not in not here in town yeah occasionally stuff gets tossed that shouldn't mm-hmm. but there's a, a completely um separated multi-stream recycling uh, out on 421 and then a lot of it is actually get, getting transferred to a huge facility in raleigh so very very little should be going to the landfill here if if people are saying they're recycling it mm-hmm. uh companies and municipalities in mm-hmm. wilmington they, they probably almost always are yeah. uh, they, <laughs> so anyway there's some stuff that's flown under the radar and i won't i won't call out wrightsville beach for doing that but uh <laughs> wrightsville beach is speaking agreed uh <laughs> It's like how can we how can we take advantage of this poor startup recycling company a little harder? <laughs> Y'all didn't empty that one thing that day. We're gonna teach you out of two hundred dollars. Uh, but anyway, so it was tough, and I, I just got to a point where I I couldn't go further without putting my, myself or my wife at the time or whoever in, into further debt, and I I just I just kind of refused to do that, and so. But see, that's what I kind of liked about your comedy because. In like, what is it called? Monday morning quarterbacking? <laughs> your comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but what was, I thought, you were really vulnerable. You were talking about your failures, and it was so relatable. I know many people who, you know, have had unsuccessful businesses, and then they go on to have... Other, in other words, hearing your set, I had no doubt that you're going to be successful again. Yeah, I think life goes in cycles. And I think for me, too, I think uh, I had to find my thing to be successful at it. And I think this is my thing. Uh, I, I, I know this is my thing. So when I started to do stand-up... Because for six, for only being in the... For six years, you've... I was looking at your bio. You've accomplished a lot. I mean, I and knew... And I haven't updated that lately. <laughs> tell, tell us some of the things you've won. Um, oh, man. Uh I guess the first thing I won was Port City's top comic in Wilmington, which is uh, actually a little more prestigious than it sounds. Is a killer comedy scene, and people can come from other uh, cities and states to compete in it. So that was cool. And then I won um, Comedy Zone as a, a comedy conglomerate that books like 50 clubs around the country. I won their um, Almost Famous uh, award or contest or whatever uh, that same year or maybe the next year. And then I won the regional um, thing for this part of the country for Comedy Central's Up Next competition. And so I went to the semifinals in uh, Boston and got to perform at the Wilbur Theater for like 1,400 people. Wow. Sold out show. That was real cool. That was that was um, still the biggest crowd I've performed for, uh, unfortunately. When the second biggest crowd was this um, winter. I, I uh, won Best of the Fest at Slow Comedy Festival, which is a really awesome comedy festival. And I got to perform in front of a thousand people. For me, to, for knowing, I even know comedians who've been doing this for 15, 20 years and haven't had that success and still do. You know, they, they, yeah, good for them for not giving up. But for you, <laughs> like, to be as tight as you are with your set at six years is pretty amazing. It thanks. really is. 
Thanks. Um, That's, I mean, it's a, it, I, I can't say that about myself, but I'll totally let you say it. You know, uh, <laughs> I really love it. I'm, I'm, I, I think I am good at it. And, um, Cause when I and I don't mind were... being confident about it because it's the only, honestly, to balance out the confidence with, with some, some, uh, some realness and some whatever, uh, it's the only thing I've ever been really good at. I've been okay at a lot of stuff. I've been like pretty good at some stuff. This is the only thing I've ever felt really good at. And, and I feel probably more normal when I'm on stage than when I'm not. When I first saw the ad that you were coming, um, I didn't know I didn't know who you were. I hadn't, I hadn't. That's hurtful. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm totally Sorry. kidding. I'm uh, completely I, unfamous for I, sure. I saw that you were headlining, so I was kind of surprised because they've been bringing some pretty, you know. But then when I saw local, it said something referenced to your local. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe they're giving him the head, like. Maybe I'm the, you I'm lost the only local. Yeah, they were like, man, his wife, his dad, his dog, let him headline. He's not funny, but put him up there. I was like, maybe because they couldn't get to, I, that's Yeah, I did I, it for free, too. I was so, like, no. so when I went and then I saw that you were filming, um, or I think I, I think we started texting about doing the podcast before I went to see your show. Mm -hmm. So I think you must have mentioned the filming. Um, so then I was really curious. Then I went to see it, and then I was like, you're a legit. You're like a legitimate headliner without the fame. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm hoping it'll come. You, some of the best comedians in the country, you never heard of. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of guys that are where I'm at. That are you know, as long as they don't give up, it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as long as I don't give up, which I don't intend to, that it's a matter of time. I think you're very very um, talented. What What's frustrating is when you do get a look and somebody looks at you and passes you know that's what that's what sucks like comedy central came out to and i mean i have an ongoing relationship with them but like they came out to one of my shows in new york it was a bad show well, not not for me i did as good as you can do in an empty room with 12 people and mm -hmm. 10 comics you know but it's like the night before i went up between greg fitzsimmons and ari shafir and had the best set of my life oh in my front God. of a hundred people who were banging on tables i mean it was like I came off stage like, holy shit, is, please tell me somebody from the comedy industry is in this room right now. And my buddy who books the show, Jason Cantor, who's a great comedian, uh, Cantor with a K, I came, I came back to the back of the stage and I was trying not to like be too, uh, I was really happy about the set and hating myself for not filming it. I had no idea Greg Fitzsimmons and Ari Shafir were even going to be on the show. Sam Morrill was on the show. Beth Stelling was on the show. Killer, killer show. Uh, and I came back there and he, I was like trying not to smile too big. And he was like, dude, it's like, thanks man. He's like, Ari Shafir and Greg, Ari Shafir just said to Greg Simmons, who is this dude crushing right yeah. now? Yeah. And I was like, man, that's, I can just quit now and just like, I'll leave on a high note. Yeah. Like, I'll go back to yeah. driving a recycling truck. This is not going to get better. And yeah. I don't care about the fame. I really, what I want is I want 500 people who like my comedy and, mm -hmm. and came to hear what I have to say mm -hmm. so that I no longer have to take the edges off. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I th and I don't do that cause I have to, but there's, there's stuff that I wish I could get away with that. I don't always feel like I can even, even in like a pretty liberal crowd. I want a crowd that's like, this is 500 of my fans. I don't give a shit about the famous stuff. I actually kind of prefer like a, not to be famous. The but. Mark Marin kind of like his fans are like Mark, you know, 
I think people uh, like what kind of comedian's career do you look at and go? That's one I wish I could duplicate. I've been asked that question a few times, and uh, it's hard to answer that. Thanks for telling me I'm not original. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, you really blew it up, blew it on that one. No, no, it's a great question. It's a really good question. I, I just got asked by by other comedian friends. Okay. I, no, no one ever asked me on a podcast. I've only done a couple podcasts. Uh, I don't know why. Probably because I'm not famous. People are like, oh, he's in town. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> it was actually um, Grant who. Yeah, like, yeah, he's great, man. What a nice guy. Yeah. I'd buy a car from that guy. <laughs> I don't think he's working there anymore. Really? Mm-hmm. I sold cars for uh, before real estate. Oh. I, yeah, I sold Mercedes. I was, me and the owner of the dealership's son were the, were the youngest Mercedes salespeople in the country at the time. Oh, wow. And I don't know if anybody younger has done it since then, but. Uh, yeah, and I, I was kind of good at it because I like cars a lot, and I and I like people. I mean, I, I just like talking to people as long as they're nice. Um, and I I didn't make a lot of money per car because I always felt like I wanted to give people deals because I liked them <laughs> yeah. usually. But I sold a ton of cars, uh, and that my actually I'm still best friends with the owner of the son's dealer. We started there at the same time and got to know each other. He's one of my best friends. And that's where my wife and I got married, my ex-wife and I. Oh, we haven't even touched on the divorce. Yeah, so we, we had stoked some, to talk about that. <laughs> we had a parental death. We had um, financial ruin. And then... My dog of 15 years, <laughs> like literally my, my homeboy. That was... Uh, obviously not to downplay any of the other stuff, but for some reason that the dog, like breaks your heart. It destroyed me the day that it happened. And I think because my dad was, was, was dying when I had to put the dog to sleep because I was going and taking care of my dad during the day and then coming home to the dog at night. And it was just like, man, I can't, Mm. I told my wife, I was like, I, He's been ready. We probably should have put him to sleep three months ago. Um, but I, it's just so hard to do it. But I also didn't want to let him just die because he got so bad. I mean, it's, it's just cruel. It's just a difficult thing. But and You don't understand it until you go through it. Because yeah. it's not natural to put someone down. It's not natural. It's, it's not. But so. it's, it's, you know, it's obviously it's, when it's humane, it's humane. But um, they came to the house and, and put the, the, the vet, who's the sweetest person, person i've ever met came and uh and we all day i hung out with him and just like loved him i gave him steak i gave him alternating steak salmon steak salmon he was like dude this is the best day of my life this is the last day of your life um is that funny should i say that on stage it's too heavy i don't have a joke for the dog yet i say that in the bit i'm like my dog died i don't have a joke for that because that shit's not funny um, That's actually kind of funny. This but we, we spoiled him so much, and some of his dog friends came over, and he and I laid out in the sun, and, and then she came and um, put him to sleep. And, man, I, I several hours later, when I finally stopped crying, I told my wife, uh, ex-wife, I'm not used to saying that yet, um, uh, I, I was like, man, I bet you that lady thinks I'm a psychopath because she's probably never seen a man cry like that Aww. before. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop, and I was crying for my dad too. I guess that yeah. day, and uh, but I just I couldn't t- I couldn't do dad all day and then come home to the dog at night. It was just it was it was too much. But um, my uh, then my dad was too about about I think my dad lived about five weeks after the dog, and then uh, and then and this was the last how two years that ago? was no that was May twenty seventh of last year my dad passed 
And so I was doing shows because I didn't know, I didn't know, A, I didn't know he was dying at all when I, I booked myself out six months in advance as much as I can. And so when he got sick, he started having seizures and strokes. He had brain cancer. We didn't, we didn't know it. He had had skin cancer in the past and beat it and it came back in his lungs and his brain. And uh, he was a smoker, which is a super smart thing to do for everybody listening. You should definitely keep doing that. Really, really intelligent. I know, I know there's a big upside to those cigarettes. You know, it's hard to walk away from all the benefits of them. But uh, they will. It makes my breath smell like shit. But at least my face is aging prematurely. <laughs> like, maybe it will kill me, but at least it's only $3,000 a year. I used to smoke, and now, I mean, that's many, 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 many Yeah, me too, ago. a decade ago. And I, you yeah, know. more. But I was like, you can't love yourself and be a smoker. That's it's, my it's, And it's the most disgusting. The people are like, but it looks cool. No, it doesn't. It yeah. makes you look like a redneck. Yeah. Like, it looks it looks trashy. You smell awful. Your it's breath like is ash, gross. Kissing an ashtray. Your oh. fingers are gross. Like, the whole, it, all of it's gross. But anyway, um, yeah, so lost my dad, and then, like, a week a week later was would have been my parents anniversary uh and then <clears throat> and then a couple weeks later was father my birthday and father's day was on the same day you know it was just, it was just a tough year altogether and um so that's part of why I went on that cross country tour i i just wanted to not that i was running i just needed it was your way i, I, I just really wanted to go live mm-hmm. you know for him too mm-hmm. like go anybody listening live your life for people that can't too don't just do it for you like he would have loved to have seen all that shit you know and I and I wish I could have taken him I, by the time I was living my life in a way that I could have taken him to do things like that he he was mentally he wouldn't have remembered and he you know mm-hmm. we, he, we thought he had Alzheimer's but he had brain cancer and we didn't we didn't understand you know Somebody probably should have caught that. It is no sense in being mad about it. But uh, but they told us he had three to six months, and he died uh, 15 days later. And so I didn't know it was going to happen that fast. I didn't know what gigs to cancel or which ones to keep. And so that gig rolled around, and I talked to my – we were all there almost every day. We Both siblings, my mom, extended family, friends – Everybody was rallying because he lost his mind. Like you, you had to literally almost keep your hand on him all day, or he would fall, or he would try to eat something. He could, I mean, he couldn't talk. He just shuffled. He would try to eat a sponge off the sink or to you know, magnet off the refrigerator. I mean, it was just hard to watch. Oh man. god, it was hard to watch. It was the. I mean, the dying was the easier part of the thing. You know, um, watching him watching that and it was so exhausting he was only asleep because the steroids that they were trying to slow the tumor down it was it was too late to do any kind of chemo or radiation but um so you <clears throat> go on the road to do a comedy tour your dog and your father pass away and didn't you take do some photography too Along the way, on the right. Oh yeah, I do. I, I uh, I'm, I'm all the time now. Yeah, okay. it's it's that's my um, sort of my second passion these days. Photography. Yeah, because I'm I'm really da- I've I've dwindled my life down to very very few material things. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't have I don't have a lot of other hobbies, but photography is like 
it doesn't really cost me anything to do it. I just use my phone and I go, I see so much beautiful stuff. So I've seen 21 national parks mm-hmm. um, and this- in, the, in the time that all this is happening. And that's what kept me from, you know, going through all that hard stuff. In between that, I, I, mean, I, would- I intentionally pursue things that I know bring me joy. And I intentionally mm-hmm. avoid things that I know bring me darkness you i know? mean not knowing you and just hearing your story though I, I i would just think that that's a beautiful way to honor your father the grieving i think it's i think what comes across in your comedy and in talking to you is you know whatever shitstorm your life may be you there's this confidence that you're going to get to the other side of it because you're it's like watching you evolve you're like on your stage on your bit you see the glimpse of it's like a you're a butterfly cliff <laughs> so my so i'm only going to be alive for 30 days is what you're telling me <laughs> okay. but you it's you see that the fact that you can just it's weird it. that you say that because i have a butterfly tattoo on my ankle <laughs> and above my belly button so um but no it's you the fact that you as a man can be this emotional um be this vulnerable and process your grieving take this as a huge compliment puts you a hundred times ahead um most men how old and, are you and isn't that a heartbreaking thing to realize have you seen uh the yes <laughs> i have the mask yes. what, the mask i wear yeah yeah that movie every every man needs to watch it it really resonated with me and i was trying to live my life that way anyway mm-hmm. that movie made me want to like volunteer with young guys it really did and i'm I, not because i'm not that good of a person <laughs> yet but i'm still i was trying to convince my <laughs> high school age kids to do a project based on, i made my son watch it as a hyper masculinity being programmed into boys uh in this country it's so detrimental to society i mean it it's it creates so much violence and anger so many and, men are just and internalizing angry. stress and not not being emotional and not letting go of and not being cathartic ever not ever. letting stuff out is is it's, it's literally physically bad for you it, 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 that will give you cancer it makes me sad it makes me like it makes it breaks me my heart. sad for um so it's funny. I don't even know if anyone is going to understand because I feel like we're talking in shorthand. <laughs> I think a lot of people have uh, seen that. A lot of people have have talked to me about that because of what you just said. That they, mm-hmm. you know, that they say it, it's it interesting how emotional you are. And yeah. have you seen this movie? And I say, yeah, you know, I was actually a bodybuilder um, who drove a monster truck until I watched that, and now me. <laughs> Change. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but no, great movie. I, I'd, I'd love to meet the person that made it. I'm, I, I have great admiration for... Um, but I, I think, wish everybody would watch it. And I think you um, you kind of personify that. that. That comes across in your... So it's like... I want to. I, I, you know, I, I'd even, like to be better. Uh, we I'm, haven't even talked about the divorce. We, didn't even, we got to the... <laughs> can we just not? <laughs> 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 Let me call my attorney first, I guess. Uh yeah, don't say anything that you wouldn't. I'm like, kidding. Email. You know that I don't have to say anything. That's not true. She actually, she actually messaged me and said, if if you if you want to slander me on stage, then I'm gonna blah blah blah. You know, fight you on the divorce and whatever. And I, I said, I'm not slandering you. I'm not saying anything that's not true. Because literally, you, can we I don't tell the have to. Well, there was some, I'll just say there was some infidelity and it was very hurtful. And uh, on your trip, on your your post, your father. Uh, but 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, a year after him passing, uh, or eight months after, but, um, you know, and, and, and she, had, she has reasons, you know. I, don't, I, I call them excuses, but she calls them reasons, and, um, I mean, you know. But, you know, I, I didn't, it ended the marriage because I, I can't, it's not that I'm incapable of forgiving. I'm just not willing to, to stay in that energy, to stay in that, that to me, I want a kind of love there where that just is n- not even, it, it, it never crossed my mind that it would happen. I knew we weren't perfect. We, 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 we struggled, you know, a lot. How long were you married? We were together for almost seven, married for almost three. And, um. Yeah, I was blown away by it. I mean, it was like, I was so happy to come home. I found out the night before I was coming home from the four and a half month tour out west and through the southwest. And she was supposed to come with me for a lot of that. And and that changed into, she took a bunch of other vacations, basically, to not see me, which was kind of like, she's like, I'm going to Mexico. Now I'm going to Las Vegas. And I'm like, oh, okay. You you could come see your husband. It's pretty out here. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's like, I'm not in jail. I'm, uh, I'm in Arizona and there's a sunset and, yeah. but, uh, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's the past. It's gone. Can't, it's literally not real. You can't touch it or final? change it. No, this just happened. Um, I've, I found out really, I found out on April 15th, which is un- unfortunately for her, her birthday. And I had to do a show that night too. I did a show the night my dad died. I did a show the night after my dad died. I did a show the night that she confessed that to me. And, how did uh, you? How does that? Tell me that night. I talked about it for the first twenty minutes of my set, and uh, you know what I? You know what I did? I I have all these funny stories from just dating, mm-hmm. just being a single guy in the past, college, and you know I I. I love women, and I don't mean that in a dirtbag way. I, I genuinely, I would honestly rather be around women than men most of the time. I love my guy friends, and but uh, you know, I I was a, I had a lot of fun as a single guy. I, I still love lots of the my girlfriends. You know, I'm still very close to a lot of people, and but funny stuff. You know, because people, because other single girls do funny stuff and single, you know, when you're in your twenties and you're partying and so there's all this funny stuff that's like, I mean, it's an hour of material at least. It literally could be a special probably. And my best friend was like, dude, you got to do th- something called like the girlfriend tour. Like you got to do all this <laughs> material about these like past relationships. Cause it's just so funny. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the girl that told you she loved you after three dates or what, you know I mean? That kind of thing. Um, so I, I just took that opportunity to do material that I never felt comfortable doing before. And I talked about so that it. that very night? That night, I, ha- I actually had a, speaking of hyper-masculinity and machismo, I punched a wall, because that's what you do when you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and uh, I was just so, I was so angry. And I, and I, and I don't ever want to be in a relationship where I would punch a wall either, you know what I mean? And I had never had before in the seven years we've been together. But I, I was just hurt, and I was mad, and I I wanted to punch something you know or or I, if i if i was outside i would have thrown something i don't know but um so my hand was bloody and my hand, i punched the whole i'm very strong and uh, <laughs> i'm kidding uh you know it's so dumb i look I, I i joked about the the occurrence cuz uh <laughs> this is arguably the dumbest thing i've ever done so she kind of told me 
what happened, and I won't go into details for her sake, and which I think is more than gracious. Um, and it, 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 there's a little bit of ego involved for me with this whole like don't talk about me thing. Like, hey, um, I'm a stand-up comedian, and you cheated on me in a hilarious and bizarre way. Uh, what planet do you live on where you think I'm not going to talk about it? But I'm not going to insult you. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say anything that's not true. Uh, and that's gracious. Like, there's, a friend of a friend told me after the show, she said, listen, I've never met you. And I knew I was coming to see you, but I didn't know that you were the same person. We had mutual friends. She said, I didn't realize it until you got to the divorce material that you were her husband. Because her friend is my friend, and, and I had heard that you were going on stage and, quote, taking the low road. And she said, I was watching your material, and I was crying. And all I could think was, this guy's not taking the low road. He's no. talking about his life. You're, I, you were processing. That's what I saw. I saw you were processing. I don't, just, yeah, I don't insult. I don't use, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, if to I, me, it's like telling, telling the truth is not taking the low road. Yeah, and if you think a comedian is not going to talk about what's happening in, in his life, well, he's probably not a good comedian then. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, I talk about my dad dying. I talk, I have jokes about when I met her. So I've got jokes about the end, too. And. I mean, I can understand probably her fear, you know, being... I wouldn't want, you know, you know live, don't live your life in a way that you the, don't want people to know what you do, exactly, you know? Exactly, Um But I, as a woman, as a divorced woman, I, I, I would... I would say gracious is a very accurate description. Um, all I saw was you processing it. It was probably the rawest part of the, your bit, I saw. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, with your dad and the finance... um that was the part where there was more like the energy is like whoa like yeah th- that's raw you could feel yeah um, some pretty good jokes though very good jokes and that's what um, it was I thought really good it was like I didn't leave there being sad I didn't want to leave. yeah well I tried to bring it back up at the end with the silly stuff and the music and the silly yeah, relationship the tender jokes and bumble which <laughs> dick pics and tender and uh, I thought it was funny swiping people in person uh, but yeah so. I don't remember what I what was I saying. Well, we're talking about the divorce, and um, you... I was coming home from that tour, and mm-hmm. but we spent time together. Um, it was sort of the way I remember the bit was you were, it, um, you didn't discuss when you found, how you found out, but it was something about the trips to the Canada. If I was doing, if I was just up there loose at some comedy club where you know nothing's at stake, kind of thing, I I probably would have gone into it more. Mm-hmm. I, I was just trying to keep it so tight for film. Mm-hmm. I really tried to remove as much as I could that felt superfluous. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you should do in comedy anyway: is kind of trim the fat and get what get rid of any word that isn't kind of necessary to what you're yeah. doing. But um, I just got a phone call from a guy that. Uh, one of her friends' ex-husbands, and he was like, "I know we're not really close, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying to ruin your life. I just, I'd want to know if it was me, and you know, it's just, you know, just unfaithful, whatever." And I mean, he told me, and he told me enough that I was like, "Yeah, this isn't a lie. If this guy's lying, then he's then he's real crazy," and you know, and but that was. What I was told after that was that he was lying and other people were lying and it was very confusing. You know, I felt like I was trying to solve a mystery and that was a, that was a shitty feeling. Um, I've, uh, I've 
dated a few men who this has happened to. Yeah. Um, and a couple things, a couple common denominators. <laughs> don't worry about me being jaded moving forward. Because no, no, I, no. I just won't get into a relationship where I have any doubt that that person's not no, totally no. on my team. Um, I mean, that Team happens. Cliff, <laughs> not Team Canada. I'm not, uh, the things I've noticed about it is, I think for men, it's... Um, so much more it's the masculinity it's the there's so much more to that not that it's not as hard for a woman but almost women kind of might expect it and then um, what a sh- what a shameful <laughs> fact <laughs> right um, uh, I, d- I don't feel i don't feel lessened i feel hurt but i don't feel lessened how about trust because i've been the one like right after the the girlfriend sure. or the date. I don't think there's going to be one right after. You shouldn't because uh, it's like a bomb in your life. There, there, is, there are people that I have strong feelings for and I'm, I've spent time with people and um, you know I, I definitely, I'm lonely I, I would like companionship and, and the, the perks that go with that but uh, I, I can't be anybody's anything I don't think right now. I mean I, part of me wishes I could because I, I still want all the things I, I wanted that I thought I had, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but I've got some really, really, really good girlfriends who are really like such an important part of my life. And I, okay, I had sort of disconnected from some of them cause it's like, you know, it's like, why, why does my husband have so many girlfriends? But I just, <laughs> I, I like feminine energy and wisdom. I, I think women uh, are more, empathetic and I just like them but it's been good to connect with um, girlfriends I haven't seen in a long time uh, you know one of my girlfriends from college she just went through a very similar thing and we we have a ton in common and we've talked for hours on the phone and stuff like that and probably the blessing you know so the blessing when my dad died the the the, the positive spin to that the the I've, I'll just watch this Will Smith movie called collateral beauty like collateral damage, like the side effect of, and, and it was, it's really profound. It's, I love him and he, even though he's a Scientologist, but, um, it's <laughs> like, yeah. so I don't care what form of magic you believe in, but that one's pretty fucking stupid. Uh, but anyway, super, super, super good movie. And I'm already, I, I was already thinking in this way anyway, I, I think you have to, cause you go through that much bad shit you can either like let that turn you into an alcoholic or go, you know, go way, way down and, and crash and, and be, you well, know, I, I, would, I, I struggle with depression and, and all of that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the way to get through it is know your triggers. focus on what you're grateful for mm-hmm. and try to find something beautiful inside of something off of this. There's always probably not probably definitely, there's always the seed of something good, even inside of something bad, you know, yeah, I, because when something goes out of your life, good or bad, it still makes space for something else to come in and, and you got to make that good. No, I completely agree. That's, but I, I mean, that's basically the whole blog and podcast is, you know, I had a shitty childhood. Yeah. The shitty mom made me a good mom. Yeah. The good for you. <laughs> shitty dad. Because it can go either way. <laughs> yeah, it can go either way. And I, and I don't know what the secret is. But I think being the, grateful, I, I write about that all the time. That's what that tattoo is. That's awesome. Do a gratitude journal every day. I, I suffer from depression. That's another topic that I talk a lot about. I know my triggers. I, I know what I have to do to um, 
you know, I'm not looking to be happy 100% of the time. 80, 20, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but and I if like you're happy 100% of the time, it means you're, you're enlightened. And, and I'm not there yet. And I, that's a, it's a hard thing to get to, <laughs> I don't, and I'm not there either. I, I want it. Um, I think almost no human beings attain it, but I think if you're seeking it. I think you're on the right path if you seek it. If you're seeking it and you don't go back. Don't go back to being unconscious. I have I have days when I look back and go, man, the last four days I was out of my head. I mean, I was angry and like being mean and you know, I do. just not saying hello to people and you know, I mean, yeah, I just had a little phase a few days ago, and I've been doing this for five years now. Yeah, that I uh, fell off. You know, I didn't meditate, I didn't do yoga, um, binge watch some TV. Like I could see, I have a certain pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I saw that pattern, and, um, and I knew it was about fear. It was I had a, a I'd written something or a podcast, and um, it was just something very vulnerable that I'd put out, and I just froze. I just didn't want to deal with anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, I had to get. I call it getting back on my mat. You know, and that's a yeah. metaphor. There's a yeah, lot of things. Yeah. One of my I girlfriends do. is like hardcore, pulling me to yoga. Oh. And. Uh, they're so beautiful well, she, women she's, sweating. I don't understand no, why there's not she, well, more. She's men. a beautiful woman. Uh, it, no, I, I, I don't dislike it. I've never disliked it. I, I think in the past, and not so much now, because I, I think I'm a sort of a different person now, but in the past I was just self-conscious about not being flexible, maybe not being as in good, good a shape as I wish I was, that kind of thing. And I definitely didn't need to meet women in yoga class because I had a wife. Um, <laughs> but she she would have liked me to do yoga. I did it once with her. I've done it once have with you my friend. Meditated? I meditate all the time. Okay. And so my friend Erica, who's awesome, um, she's on Instagram, Shine Wild Yogi. She teaches twenty five yoga classes a week. Wow. She teaches yoga to homeless people at the homeless shelter. I mean, she's she's a super awesome person. But. Um, so I've done it twice with her, but she she says it was a, a big compliment. She said, you know, you are you already live, you live that the, way, the, but I just don't do yeah, I just don't and physically it, do yoga, and but. that's only one of the limbs, and you don't have to do all the limbs. Yeah, yeah, I, have, I'm it, totally down to do it, you know, and uh, but yeah, I, I I'm in a place where I'm I want to be able to meditate more and longer and. You know, I'm seeking what uh, those style things. do you do? Like, if you don't mind me asking, I uh, sit in nature and try to not think about anything. S- almost always with my eyes open. Oh, um, that's very common. Most pe- there's misnomers about meditation. People right. think it's like one way. It's like yeah, there's infinite ways to yeah. find it. And you know, uh, breathe definitely breathing. I mean, I, I'm I really love Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. And so I'll listen to little instructional things from him, um, which are very simple. Have you listened to Wayne Dreyer? Uh, not a lot. I know who he is. I think he's great. My sister uh, is a big, big fan. I've actually, I've got some stuff of his. I've got, a, I've read, I, th- I feel like I read one short book and then I've seen him on some documentaries and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so to me, getting through all the stuff was finding uh, the beauty in things, and when my dad died, the beauty was seeing unconditional love in my family, mm-hmm. seeing people come out and talk about him and tell me about him and tell me about the things that he did for them 
that he would have never told anybody. You know, mm-hmm. if they wouldn't have told us, we wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me money to help me with college. That he used to bring me groceries, and, and my mom didn't even know. Aww. He was such a good guy, and uh, it was a, that was a blessing. You know, yeah, it was like man, I, I say I said that on stage. I see, you know, he when he died, when he was gone. I mean, this is a guy who I already thought, like, moved mountains, you know. But uh, when he when he was gone, I was even more impressed by him because of all of that. That's amazing. And, uh, and I wrote a lot about him. And, and it's some of the best, not really comedy, but just my feelings. And I'm not even that kind of writer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't really write. I, I write jokes. But I wrote some emotional pieces like maybe six or eight of them and uh and they were pretty good and i i it i liked doing it and i liked sharing it um and so that was a blessing and then and just seeing my sister is gay and uh my family's very 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 religious and conservative all the way to the right rick santorum kind of status so that's how you turn into who i am (laughs) um and and part of my progressive values are because I have a gay sister that I felt like I needed to go to bat for all the time, and I and I and not now not just for her, but for all of my friends and loved ones who are gay or or, or, or different in whatever way, or who are not a straight white Southern male or whatever <laughs> I am, and. Uh, that that's that's what changed me when my mind, mindset. She told me when I was fifteen, and uh, and I I stopped repeating stupid shit that I had heard as a young person mm-hmm. uh, immediately, you know. Mm-hmm. And people would say things around me in this southern town I grew up in, and I would say, "Hey, dude, my sister's gay. If you don't want to say that again, yeah, you sure as shit don't want to say it around me." Yeah. You know, and because I'm really macho and I'll punch a wall. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't get to tell you. So the, the dumbest thing I've ever done. And I talked about this the night that I found out about this stuff with my wife. I had to do an hour of comedy. And I told them I, I went on stage. And this is an awful joke. This is something I probably would never say again on stage because I don't think that violence is funny. But I went on stage and my hand was very clearly something was wrong with my hand. <laughs> and... uh I said, now you guys are probably wondering what's going on with my hand. You're probably thinking I'm like a mixed martial arts fighter or something. And you'd be right to think that with my <laughs> physique. Uh, but actually what happened was I, I just found out my wife had been unfaithful. And um, I, uh, I beat the shit out of her. And everyone's like, ooh. And I was like, guys, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I hit her one time. I just felt like once. you know. And then I go into my thing. was like, I'm actually, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm a really progressive person i'm a feminist i'm a kind person i would never i would never hit a woman i i I can pretty confidently say i'd never hit anyone unless i thought i had to um but i'm such a progressive that it almost felt uh, unequal because i'm pretty sure if she did to me what i did to her she would have hit me a thousand times and maybe tried to stab me so then i did i went back in the house and just hit her one time because i'm a feminist i just i'm not gonna 
You know what I mean? It just felt <laughs> just like, how old fashioned am I going to be right now? Is this the fifties? <laughs> so, uh, that, so that got good laughs. And then, um, and I, and then I told the crowd what happened and I, I don't think I want to say it on the podcast right and that now. Was but, a, that was April. Of, it was April 15th. I was, uh, this year, 2018. Yeah. 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 A couple months ago. Fuck. And so, uh, and then I went into telling all these sillies, you know, I told them, I did all the, most of the jokes that I did about my divorce this weekend. Mm -hmm. I wrote driving from here to Raleigh to do that gig in my head. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, this is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that this is (laughs) happening and the way that it's happening. It's, it's awful, but it's kind of hilarious. Uh, and it's really hilarious that it's happening to a stand-up comedian. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I uh, I did all that, but anyway, the 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 dumbest thing about all of it is she tells me what happened. I punch a wall, and then while I had been on tour, she had bought some new art, and it, it was just ugly. It was ugly <laughs> art, and and, and and we both kind of pride ourselves on having good taste. We're both into like interior design and mid mod and you know whatever. And so I grabbed the art off the wall and I throw it and I go, this is ugly art. And then I spilled sundrop all over the hallway because I was like, I was in, I was in this dark place where I need to like go back to my vices. Like I'm going to eat barbecue and drink sundrop because I'm really just a mad redneck. And uh, so I, I spilled sundrop all over the hallway and threw art and punched a wall. And I was like, that'll show her. And, uh, and then I left and I, I never went back, but the day I got the phone call, oh, so I was talking about Collateral Beauty, the mm-hmm. great movie, see that. The beauty in this thing for me is several parts. N- now I'm going to do all this material I never felt comfortable doing out of respect for my wife and my marriage. Uh, and also having women in my life come out of the woodwork to tell me what they think of me. Um, 20-something-year-old women I've worked on environmental activism stuff with, 70-year-old women who've followed me for oh, five years sorry. because of my com. 70-year-old women I've dated. Uh, <laughs> is that what you thought I was going to say? Jesus, why did you laugh so hard at that? I thought you were saying all these women were hitting on you. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. No, that, 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 okay, I, I probably I, should have started I that differently. that I was, I was in the wrong. No, what a, what a cocky thing that would have been to say. All these women See, come out of the woodwork. Trying to get a piece of this. No, see, you were you're putting yourself down, and I was actually thinking, oh, I can totally see that. Well, no, I I wouldn't if if that that's not the case, and if it were, I I sure wouldn't verbalize it on any kind of recording or to or or to a person. Um, No, but people messaging me and saying, I'm I watch you, I see you, I see what you've gone through, I see what you're going through, and I I love you, and I think you're a really good person, and. Don't those make you feel? That's why I mean people oh. that I know well and people that I that just like my comedy and follow me on social media and and other than female comedians and old girlfriends from I mean old girlfriends relationship wise but all, all also just female friends from college and my I've got two really close girlfriends that are lifelong friends and just you know coworkers and neighbors and um, just to have that that energy and like that kindness and love from a lot of women in my life. Like it was a huge blessing. And it was like, man, I'm a pretty okay dude. And, and, and with all this love and support, I, I need to make sure I stay that way. Mm-hmm. And like, 
not not prove them wrong you know what i mean <laughs> i need to try and be yeah, a good guy yeah. and uh well, so have you because you're it's three four months so you're pretty really raw about it but t- yeah it's two months because it, um it was april 15th and it's now june 26th i'm not good at math my listeners you really blew this. it on that too <laughs> jeez i'm just gonna go okay <laughs> But um, the point you made, I think, is a, a great point, which is when some... Because tragedy befalls everyone, I think, if we're realistic. Like, Facebook does not give you that perception. Everyone thinks social media, that everything's wonderful and great all the time. And um, I, not knowing you, just watching your show, talking to you today, seeing you know you get emotional and just talking about your life. I've been crying the whole time. The listeners can't see that. <laughs> Um, I'm always just trying not to cry. That's the real truth. <laughs> but I think it's a beautiful thing that you're just living so authentically and so honestly. And it, I have no doubt, not knowing you, I have no doubt you're going to be successful, Thanks. that you're going to turn this around and that you're going to find the blessing and all that. Um, yeah. You know, and I can completely relate to that because, you know, when, for me, when I knew that my divorce was truly behind me was when I could be grateful for it. When I was like, okay, because it was a mine was a content, nothing like yours, no, sure. but it yeah, was yeah. a contentious divorce. We had children, so there was um, Man, some issues there, it's tough. and it was brutal. And it was a it was a hard process, and it was a lot. It took years. It's you know, someone gave me that wonderful advice: divorce is a process. It's not something you're gonna heal from, you know, yeah. in a short amount of time. Well, thanks but, for the pep talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but you know what? I think it's a beautiful thing because the way. What, how I'm grateful for it is, first of all, I gave me my children. Can't help but be, you know, sure. grateful. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to not be, to regret things because you can't, it's just useless to do. And um, it has shown me how to relax, uh, meditate, breathe. Like I needed all these tools that's to deal. That was your, that was the time that, that's, that's when you all. awakened the most. Yeah. Yeah. It was, the way I describe it is if your life's, gets thrown an atom bomb, then take the reconstruction seriously yeah. to create the life that you want. Sure. I'm doing this podcast with you. It's another chance. Wrote my blog, have a job. I'm about to get go on a flight to Miami. Then I'm going to Paris. You know, Can I four or go five. to Miami and Paris? Or is that, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. What four, time are we leaving for that? <laughs> I'm leaving soon. I'm but kidding. Four, Four years ago, five years ago, at the height of the you know the suffering and the pain and the shit storm that was my life, um, I never thought you know I couldn't see today. Sure. But today comes, and then you know, you I have complete faith that you're going to be famous, successful, and then you're going to like oh I did this shitty podcast many years ago. <laughs> I will do this podcast anytime you want me to. If I get famous, you're going to come back. Absolutely. That's not who I am. I will, you're cool. You're a good person. I'll, I'll do your podcast anytime. I'll call in from my castle and the cliffs of Ireland. No, I'm kidding. So do you want to give up your social media? And- I do. I would love that. Um, the main thing I really kind of would like to have more followers on is Instagram, and that's at uh, Cliff Cash Comedy. Two Fs, cash like money, that I do not have. <laughs> Cliff Cash Comedy. Um my Instagram stuff that I do, I do a little uh, video series called Your 15 Seconds of Zen, and that's the hashtag. And then I've got this adventure mobile outside. Uh, I'm trying to put a million miles on it, and so it's a million mile Mercedes hashtag, <laughs> and then hashtag every national park. 
Um, and the stats are my kind of my things and, and I'm still on tour. Uh, I'm really literally on almost full time tour. And so I use the hashtag never ending tour to 2017 and, uh, Facebook is just cliff cash comedy. Maybe I, I don't have a lot of, um, Facebook, uh, likes or whatever on that but i've got a lot of videos uh, out there i think my best one if you just google cliff cash dead crow that's the last hour that i recorded at dead crow it's a couple of the jokes i'm doing on this because mm-hmm. it wasn't like an official special i don't feel like i have to ditch them and add mm-hmm. all new stuff but um that's out there i'm on pandora and spotify and occasionally on xm radio i'm working on more of that and uh, yeah, if you like any of the photographs on Instagram, you can you can just message me on Instagram if you'd like to buy one. I actually mat, I print them and mat them, and sell them with a CD. And I if it's through the mail through the web, I, it's thirty bucks. I sell them at my shows too. But right now, I have six um, photographs featured on my website. They're all from California, uh, like Joshua Tree, Yosemite, Death Valley, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, if you like photography and you want a little. Uh, it's cool to, to they're so cheap uh it's cool to get four and put them in frames and have like a little grid on like a small wall like above a desk or something see what i'm reminder. saying like giving people like interior decorating tips could be a reminder to you look at those and say you're gonna overcome your hardships yeah yeah um because i listen to this podcast and his life is pretty shitty right now <laughs> yeah well you know what i don't i don't know I, I say that in complete i know i know but it's funny like <clears throat> if this would have all happened to me Back when I was, and I always think I've been a pretty decent person, but but I was asleep. I was uh, absolutely would only focus on my disasters and what was negative, and t- tell tell whoever would listen about a negative experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, be and not see the good in it, mm-hmm. and only you know. Um, That's the testament if, to your evol- being an evolved man. Yeah, and I, I if if I had gone through all these things this year and a half of stuff then I might not be here. Oh. You know, really, cause I, because my de- depression then was, bad. was, was significant uh, and my coping with it was n- not. non-existent. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now, I, like you said, I know my triggers are, a lot of it is the winter oh, and the grayness. And, huh? Oh, let's compare. Mine's winter. Yeah. Uh, holidays. Yeah. Any day that's family a, stuff. Yeah, any day that's, yeah, that's like hard, everyone's yeah. celebrating. I, oh, it doesn't doesn't matter. I'll always yeah. feel and not. I hope I shouldn't speak in yeah. absolutes, but I'm, I tend to always tend feel to. like I'm not part of the human race. Like what? I don't understand joy. Oh <laughs> man! But so that's a trigger. Holidays are a trigger. Um, dating is a trigger for me. I, I yeah. don't date well. Yeah, it's if stressful. <laughs> If it's feels stressful right now, at least it's uh that's trigger. And what else? Winter. Winter is a big thing for me. I mean, just as far as just like circumstances, like I mean, negative. There's a lot of things, but the big thing for me is I'm I'm very seasonally effective. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny that that acronym is sad. The social anxiety disorder <laughs> acronym is sad. It's just like it's just all sad, literally. Um, but that was honestly that was also a big part of that tour out west and through the southwest was like i saw in my mind coming like the dog's gone my dad's gone a lot of shit's hard right now i don't think i can be in north carolina in the winter i don't i'm not gonna do good 
this winter going through this stuff. And instead, I'm going to go have a bunch of adventures where it's warm and dry. And, and that's what I'm doing. Usually my, when my kids leave for an extended period of time, they're with their father for And a you few get weeks. down, so instead you're going to go have some I, fun. I use, in the first few years, awesome. I used to it be a trigger, and now I'm like, all right, I know this isn't happening, so what am I going to do? Well, that's exciting that you're going on that trip. That's incredible. I want to say I want to say uh, one thing because in a, in a total utilitarian sense, in hopes that if somebody is listening to this who is struggling or is in a funk or just hasn't quite found their way where they are right now. Which let me tell you is most of my listening audience. <laughs> okay, well, all, and it's all of us. We're all trying to figure it out. Um, I was just telling this uh, to an ex girlfriend who's a, who's a close friend. She's going through some hard stuff, and she's like, how are you doing this? How are you? Because we talked, and she was like, you sound really happy. And I said, well, I, I, I don't feel like I've, I have found joy, and I don't feel like it can be taken away from me, at least not permanently and at least not for long. And so my trick is, uh, and I think this kind of comes from reading Eckhart Tolle um, and also maybe just sort of morphing what I pick up from him into my own stuff. When I feel really, really, when I get really down and I'm feeling negative and I'm focusing on my disasters and not my blessings, I go, you know, I try to go out into nature first, first thing, just change my actual setting. I don't like to be inside very much at all. I really, I typically kind of only be inside if I'm really worn out or like asleep you know or it's you know at night or whatever but <clears throat> so i'll go outside and get some nature and go look at something beautiful and i will list sometimes literally i'll sometimes write it down or put it in my iphone notes i'll list things that i'm grateful for and i'll do it until i start feeling so grateful that i'll cry or whatever and do you do this every day or just when you're... I do it when I think I need to. I, I, I feel like it's literally my like uh, portal back into joy. Because I can't be grateful and not be joyful. And so I'll even, if I feel like I need to, I'll share what I'm, I'll share what I'm feeling grateful about. I'll text my best friend and say, hey, thanks for having my back. Thanks for coming to New York City and being with me after this happened and my best friend the guy from the wealthy family he came now here I am like living in my car like eating halal food off the carts in Manhattan and he's like comes up and rents like this badass room at the nicest hotel we go out and drink $15 craft cocktails and eat all the places that have been on the food network and I need blah, a friend blah. like that yeah it was so much fun but and I, you know I, I just think thanking my mom for like being such a rock through all of it and like just that unconditional love and and just listening in my head or listening literally uh, and communicating gratitude and see I do it every morning I get my that's wonderful coffee. I mean that's what that's what prayer every is you know it's like and and that's people sometimes well because I talk about religion a lot mm -hmm. especially in the hour before this one I know we're gonna have to split you're gonna be a two podcast guest oh really well that's good i'm superfluous in every sense of the word like i will send you a three-page email that could have been a sentence you know what i mean i'm the guy that leaves three-minute voicemails but um 
I talk about religion a lot, and sometimes people will go, you know, why are you so anti-religion? And I go, no, 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 I'm I'm not anti-religion. I'm anti-bigotry, and I'm anti-fear, and I'm anti-greed, and I'm anti-war, and I'm anti-racism, I'm anti-homophobia, and none of that is anti-religion. I, I like Jesus. Jesus was a real good dude. See, I think Jesus was an enlightened man. I, I do, too. He was the son of God. I do, too. I which think, gets I think me he was the son of God. As I am the daughter of God, right. not as a right. I think born we, of a virgin. We all are, and God is yeah. all things. And you know. So you know Wilmington. For me to come out as basically, a, hey, I'm not Christian. I'm spiritual, I believe. But sure. I'm not Christian. was sure. like... Um, I'm like you could accept me as an atheist. But I'm I'm all of it. I'm all of it. I'm Christian and Buddhist, and I'm not Scientologist. But you know, uh, I will, you know, with maybe very few exceptions. There's there's not much that Buddha or Jesus or any of those people said that I won't try to live by. No, I I think uh, Jesus and Buddha have met, like I've studied. All the, you know, sure, yeah. And I, when you step back and you look at most of the major religions, and you take away the law of man, and you just look at the message, they all—it's all very simple. It's just—it's not that difficult. Basically, don't be an asshole. Yeah, that's nice, so funny because I—I have—I say that—that's uh, not on recording anywhere, but I say that in my my show a lot. I say, you know, Ten Commandments seems like a lot. Probably could have just had one. Like, hey, don't be an asshole. What about thou shalt not kill? No, that's an asshole thing to do. Yeah. Uh, just that falls yeah. under the don't be an asshole part. Yeah. So I'm yeah. looking at my gratitude journal today. I wrote. What did I write? Me, and this is sometimes grateful for me. Uh, probably the first thing. Nope, not even on the list. All right, I'm done. <laughs> uh, I said I'm grateful for my friends and grateful for oh my blog and podcast. I'm grateful for my kids are with their dad enjoying summer and I'm grateful for my home. It's a nice home. Thank you. You guys should all come see her home. It's nice. Is there a pool? There is a pool. You told me. Oh, man. (laughs) We'll start playing baseball. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. That was a, uh, did you, that was a, I have two. um, (laughs) Now he just made a baseball reference and they're not going to get get it. it. Now we got to tell the baseball story. I have two college age. Baseball players. (laughs) Lucky you. I, they are no. How do no. you? I haven't. I haven't said your name out loud. I've read it and texted it. Is it Marisol? Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful name. Thank you very much. Never heard anybody else have that name. Um, I like it. Thank you. Um, I hated it when I was growing up. Really? I hated it. It's, it's not till I turned, you know, in my forties that I have come to appreciate it. So there's two college age um, baseball players staying in my home because my daughter's best friend <laughs> uh, parents managed the t- team. It's a summer league and they needed hosts. So two of them snuck out while we were recording. It was funny. Yeah. Um, they are def- definitely super quiet. They're was, super quiet. And they're cute. super polite. They keep yeah, calling me good. ma'am. Oh, nice. I hate that. I'm not, I'm from, you know, I'm not from the set. So ma'am is just. Where are you from? Uh, I was born in New York, raised in Miami. Hi, Aaliyah. To okay. be exact. Yeah. Wow, nice. Google it. No. Have you been to um, have you been to Coral Castle? Mm, How long are you so. gonna be in Miami? A week. You should go to Coral Castle. Where is it? In Coral it's Gable? fascinating. Really? It's I think it's probably at Homestead. It's if it's not, it's close to there. It's not far yeah, outside. Yeah, I'll be in of that Miami. I'll be in that area. That's where my family 
Yeah, it's a, it's fascinating. Yeah, most of this week is not fun. This week is mostly my mother is in uh, has Alzheimer or mm. dementia, and um, so it's doing the daughter thing. Yeah. Well, get a fun day in there so that can help you stay I, in your joy. You know, I do. I have a I have a plan. Good. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for doing. Thank that. you. I really I love really, doing it. Really, Sorry, I cried on your microphone. Hope you it didn't know what? break. I thought it. that was super sweet. <laughs> I was trying not to. I didn't <laughs> cry on stage all four shows, and I was pretty I fascinated. Mean, when you, by that. I wanted to come in and give you a hug, but I was like, I would make too much noise on the mics. <laughs> oh, oh no, thanks. It's all right. All right, guys. Thank you for I listening. I was hugging myself. Yeah, no, you're going to be great. I have no doubt. You're going to be on the other side of this. I'm already. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. Did you have a good time listening to this episode? Well, then be sure to check out Marisol's blog at shityoucantmakeup.com or find her on Instagram at Marisol's Podcast or, of course, on Facebook. I'm Sean, the producer, and you can hear me on my podcast, Dad Son. All one word, D-A-D-S-O-N. Funny and candid conversations between a father and a son about something. Hey, we'll see you next time.